Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hello, everyone. Uh, Wednesday evening, a little late start for us tonight because, you know, football season. You know, I'm busy coaching, all that stuff. Things are happening. Yeah. All right. We missed you last week, Tom. Spent some time on a little honeymoon. How was your trip, Tom? It was great. Relaxing, full of sun and booze. Yeah. What more can you ask for when you take a vacation, right? That's it. Those are my two requirements. Yeah. All right. Um, good episode tonight, Tom. Run down what we're going to talk about. All right. We're going to talk ACC and Big 12 college football. We're going to uh, finish out the NFC with our NFC West preview, which is a fun division. Yeah. And we're going to talk about UFC 265. All right. Uh, let's jump right in, Tom. Let's talk about the ACC. Uh, by the way, I'm going to just brag a little bit here. If you're not paying attention on Facebook and yeah. Twitter and the like, I have given out another. I think I gave out two picks, two winners last week. Uh, but... My last five selections are 5-0 and oh on those Hammered Sports Hot Picks, so you might want to pay attention if you want to get easy winners. So, you know, can't we're not going to – nobody's naive enough to say that every pick we give is going to win, but, right. hey, right now I'm hitting it 100%, so, you know. Ride it. Let's keep rolling while we're hot. Ride the heater. But just remember, I'm not going to give out a pick on just anything. It's got to be It's got to be the right situation. So. Yes. All right. Uh, let's roll here. ACC – of course, we've got a uh, couple of teams at the top. One in particular that's really dominated the conference for an extended period of time here in Clemson. And uh, let's, you want to start right at the top here and work yeah. our way down? Let's go big. Yeah, let's talk about Clemson. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence has been the face of that program for a few years. And uh, now they, he turns it over to uh, DJ Uyunglele, who's going to take the job there and played tremendous in, uh, you know, stepping in for Lawrence against Notre Dame last year. Yeah. They, they lost in Notre Dame, but it was by no means because of him. Not at all. 400-something yards he threw? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Um, he's, you know, one of the top recruits in the nation. When he came into Clemson, this guy is going to be he's going to be a stud. So I don't see any kind of uh, dramatic drop-off in quarterback play coming there. Uh, Travis Etienne is gone. He's been you know, a stalwart there, but I have faith that they're going to, you know, be able to plug those holes without too much difficulty. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you go down through their roster, you know, Justin Ross comes back now at wide receiver. They're going to have, um, they've got what, Lynn J. Dixon there and uh, Kobe Pace, a couple of running backs that, you know, could easily plug the hole defensively. They're going to be great. Um, Skalski is still there. It feels like he's been there for a million years. So, you know, Absolutely nothing tells me to expect a major drop off with this team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're gonna expect them to contend for the ACC at least, if not for another national title. Yeah. Um, a lot of it will be on DJ and how fast he can get up because their first game of the season, playing Georgia. Yeah. Uh, not an easy game. Georgia always has a, a solid team. So I don't. I mean, what a fun first game of the season. For yeah. That. Goodness. Oh, it's awesome. Let's, it's an awesome way to start the season. Let's go. I mean, neutral field, let's have at it. Most people are projecting Clemson to either go undefeated or have the one loss. Yeah. Um, not many people expect them to have any other losses because their recruiting is just incredible. And 
you know, last year their uh, units were graded out by uh, by most folks as the top unit in almost every unit on the field in yeah. the ACC. So, and another thing they have for them in their schedule this year, they avoid North Carolina and Miami in the regular season. They're yeah. two probably I would say the other the number two and number three school in this conference coming into the year. They don't play either of them, so. Uh, they get to play a pretty easy schedule for an ACC team. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see what that turns into, but you got to like them to, to win it. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about Boston College. Uh, we'll stay in the uh, Atlantic division here uh, before we move on to the Coastal, so we'll go right down the line in the Atlantic. Um, Boston College, um, Phil Jerkovich there. Uh, looks like a nice quarterback. Notre Dame transfer, Tom. Yep. And, uh, you know, they they used to be just this hard nosed run oriented team that just handed the ball off over and over. It's not really their that's not their game at all anymore. Um, they've got uh, all ACC first team wide receiver Zay Flowers. Um, he's fast. He had nine touchdowns last year. Um, you know, and he was fifth nationally with seven catches of forty or more yards. So that tells you this team will air it out. Yeah, and they're completely different than the Boston College that most of us have have come to know. So I'm excited to see what Halfley can do there with this program, and there there are plenty of there's plenty of talent there too. So, you know, Halfley has one season under his belt, and it was the crazy you know COVID season. Right now he gets a little more time, and they've got some talent to work with. And they there. weren't bad last year. I mean, the, they six and five. Their losses were against a very good North Carolina team by four. They got beat up a little bit on the road against Virginia Tech. They lost at Clemson by six. They lost a versus Notre Dame by 14. Um, and then the end of the year to Virginia, but again, on the road. So a lot of very competitive losses, even in their their games they did lose against good teams. And their non-conference is pretty soft. You know, yeah. they, they do play Missouri, uh, but that's in week four. The first three weeks of the season, they play Colgate at UMass at Temple. All three mark them down as wins. So they're yeah. going to win those three games. So... It, it, they're going to get off to a three and zero start, and then they play Missouri. You know that game could be pretty good. I, I'd be interested to tune into that one for a little bit. Yeah, it, it should be. I mean, this team seems to be trending up, and it'll be interesting to see how far up they go this year. Yeah. And then after that, they play at Clemson, so you know it, it'll be a real challenge for them. But we'll see. I mean, again, this is a team that's uh, they're on the come up here. This is a, this is one that you can look to. Uh, to be moving forward i would think instead of regressing at this point so yeah. uh next up let's talk about uh, north carolina state the wolf pack coming off last season where you know they it wasn't exactly what they wanted last year um they had uh, bailey hockman played some quarterback but then devin leary kind of took the job and it looks like he'll run with it moving forward and, you know, that's a good thing. I think that this young yeah. guy is, has got some potential for them. What did team, uh, yeah, Go ahead. another team, eight and four. They rolled off uh, four straight wins to end the year, mm -hmm. uh, finished strong. And uh, lost to Kentucky in the bowl game. Yep. A couple close losses again. They, uh, they barely lost to Miami, losing by a field goal. So mm -hmm. this is another team that seems to be getting better. Uh, with Leary at quarterback towards the end of the year, they were putting up some big numbers. So Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you see growth here out of this program. Dave Doran is a really good head coach. Um, he's had some things that 
he hasn't had the most talent at NC State over the last several years, and he's managed a 55-46 record there yeah. uh, as their head coach. And it really looked like they, you know, they started to find something. And, uh, you know, he had three starts. Devin Leary had three starts last year and, and broke his leg. You know, it's going to be a big deal to have him for the full season. Yeah. So, you know, because his numbers in, in that short stretch, uh, Leary went 66 for 110. 890 yards, eight touchdowns, and two picks. Then he breaks his leg. Bailey Hockman comes in and goes 171 for 266, 2,000 yards, 13 picks, 13 touchdowns, 11 picks. So you can see the clear drop-off in quarterback play there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now you get Leary back. This is going to be a big deal. It's going to be a, a really nice team that they've got. This is a team that's returning a ton of starters. Yeah. Um, Phil Steele has nine on offense, ten on defense returning. Um, so again, it's gonna, they're going to be a tough out. They're not going to be somebody that is um, pushed around. Eight and four last year, got a real chance to to stay there or take a step forward. Yeah, I, I'm excited to watch this group. Um, all right, let's keep moving. I wonder what their what's their season win total. I wonder because as I take a look, at, I want to see kind of the season win totals for a couple of these teams. Uh, let's take. Yeah, a look. remember uh, everyone out there. For our college pre-prediction show, we will each be giving out a few over-unders that we like for the year. Yeah. Hop on those. Those are our bread and butter, college football over-unders for yeah. the season. Um, all right. Moving forward. Uh, Florida Wait. State. Okay. Florida State. Um, so, second year of Mike Norvell. Um, the last year was like a mess for him. Like, he had, I think he had COVID and, and missed some time, wasn't able to be there, and you know, they get Mackenzie Milton to transfer in to play quarterback from uh, UCF. You know, he was a star there. And then he had that that terrible injury that people thought ended his career. Yeah. But the story in Florida State for a long time now has been their offensive line play has just been horrific. Like, they, they've not been able to get reasonable offensive line play at all. Yeah. And, you know, last year it was no exception. They had uh, three wins on the season. Duke, who was awful. North Carolina, who thought they were the best team in football when they walked in there, and they they yeah. they literally just you know slept walk through the game, and you can't do that against any team. Sure. And then they beat Jacksonville State, you know, and they're they're not even a uh, Division One; they're an FCS program, so not and, good. And you unlike know. some of the other teams, a lot of their losses were bad beatdowns. I mean, they lost fifty two ten to Miami. You can't do that. Forty eight sixteen to Louisville. 41-17 to Pittsburgh. NC State beat them 38-22. Like, th this Florida State team has a long way to go. A lot of people think there's some upside there, but... Well, hey, the problem is when you look at their team, there's so many great athletes, it's hard to count them out. Right. But every year, they have the same reoccurring problems. You have, you know, the offensive line. Mm -hmm. the, the team building seems to be a flawed here. Everyone's out for themselves. Yeah. You see it on defense, people throwing shoes and whatnot. Yeah. Well, let's hope that uh, they get something figured out up front. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to see Florida State be good and competitive again. Yeah, uh, this place is electric. When it do. is. It's a fun stadium to watch games. Yeah. So they, they don't have a lot of returning starters on the defensive side of the ball. So they've got a lot of changes to make there. And uh, tough schedule. Yeah, they play. Uh, they play plenty of good teams on the calendar this year. Yeah. Um, you start the season with Notre Dame. Uh, you play at Wake. At North Carolina. At, North Carolina. at Clemson. 
at Boston College at Florida. Yeah. Woof. That's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Their their road record is going to be pathetic. <laughs> That's going to be pretty bad. How many winnable games do you see here? Jacksonville State, um, you know, could they beat Louisville? I mean, they got run by Louisville last year. Yeah. Louisville's not great. They can probably beat Syracuse. They're going to beat UMass, right? Sure. So I see three. NC State's good. Miami's good. I see maybe three. You got four, I, maybe. You, you should be able to win either Wake Forest or uh, Boston Wake College. Forest is going to be really good. So sure, I don't think should, they're going to be Wake able, Forest. Should be able to win one of those games. I, I, you know, whatever their over/under is on the season, if it's if it's above uh, four, if it's higher than four, then I'm I'm playing the under heavily. Yeah. All right. It's got to be higher than that too, just because reputation alone, they got to get them to five and a half. Yeah. I mean, it could be. All right, let's talk Wake Forest now. Let's. Uh, so the Demon Deacons, uh, speaking of teams with underrated head coaches, uh, Dave Clawson's been really good. He's 40 and 45, but this was a team that he took over that was in complete and utter disarray. They were just not good at all. And uh, now, I mean, if you watch their games and you don't enjoy what you're seeing, then then I don't, I don't know what you're looking at because they play some really fun offense. You know, and they, they return Sam Hartman, who's a solid, solid quarterback. Christian Beal Smith at running back. They've got all 11 starters on offense are returning. So it's incredible to me to have this team, um, you know, kind of viewed as like a bottom half of their their side. I, I don't get that. Um, Athlon Sports project, projects them to be sixth in the ACC Atlantic. I don't understand it. I, I really don't. For the record, Florida State is five and a half on the money. Five and a half. Five and a half wins. Juice to the uh, juice to the under. Under plus one twenty. The under is plus one twenty. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> that schedule is really tough. Yeah. And you're telling me that they've got to win six games to beat me. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it. Real no, tough. I do not see it. I do not understand it. I mean, giving them the benefit of the doubt, we got them to four. <laughs> yeah. We got them to four, and then even if they steal one more, they're not winning those road games that we talked about. That's the thing. Like, no. those are not games that they're going to win. No. Could they beat Miami? Maybe. Could they beat Florida? I don't think so. I don't think they can beat Miami. I don't either. I mean, but boy, oh boy, that is crazy. <laughs> That is crazy. All right, Louisville. Scott Satterfield starts his, I think this is his third season yeah. coming in here. And uh, they had a little step back last year. They lost four games in a row early in the season. That You know, they beat Western Kentucky in week one, and then they, they lost four straight games, including that messy thing against Notre Dame. Ugh, woof. It was not fun to watch. No. God, it was terrible. 12-7 to seven they lost at Notre Dame. Uh, then they smashed Florida State and then lose to Virginia Tech by a touchdown, Virginia by a couple touchdowns, beat Syracuse, lose by a touchdown to Boston College, and then beat Wake Forest by 24 points in the last game of the season. This is a team that started to get things together a little bit later in the year, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that Notre Dame game might have given them a little confidence, right? You played Notre Dame tough. That showed that you can play with any of these ACC teams. Not only tough, but they played well defensively, which had yeah. been a problem for them for the last couple of seasons. Right. 
So, you know, if you look at their ranks, defensively, they had, uh, in the ACC, they had the best passing defense in the ACC last year. Because well, people ran the ball over them. <laughs> 180 but, yards a game on the ground they allowed. That's part of it, for <laughs> sure. Um, but, you know, they did. They were 17th in the nation against the pass, um, 80th in the nation against the run. So, you know, it, obviously it's, it's a little below middle of the pack in their run defense, but... How much are they returning this year on the defensive side of the ball? Eh, not as much as you'd like to see. I see only five starters returning. Is that right? Yeah. And then returning seven starters on, on offense, Malik Cunningham, you know, he's, he's explosive. Good. He's fun. They lose 2-2 Atwell, who was a, a crazy explosive receiver. Um, but they're returning most of their offense. Their offensive line, they've got all five of them back. And uh, that's a big yeah. piece. You yeah, know? the good news is they are bringing back the, the offensive line, but they are losing their top two wideouts and their number one rusher from last season. Yeah, um, JVN Hawkins. Yeah, so they should they'll have some people to, to step in and kind of bring in. Um, they have Braden Smith and Marshawn Ford, who both caught over 25 passes last year. Marshawn Ford had six touchdown receptions as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a couple guys with some experience, but losing Des Fitzpatrick and Tutu Atwell – um, and JV Hawkins, you know, that's there's a lot of production to make up for. Um, but, you know, I tend to believe in teams ability to, to plug those holes of the skill position receivers like that. And uh, I think it's harder to fill offensive line vacancies. Yeah, than I'm it a big, is. yeah, I love continuity on the offensive line as well. Yeah. I think I think that makes everything easier. Running the ball becomes easier. Passing the ball becomes easier. Absolutely. So. I expect a, a little bit of a bounce back from Louisville this year. I think they'll be better than what their record was last season. We're thinking like six and six, seven and five, somewhere right. there. You know, right? This should be a team that'll probably win a game you don't think they're going to win, um, and then know. they'll lay an egg against somebody you didn't expect them to right. as well. So uh, that's what you're going to get with Louisville this year. Uh, on to the Syracuse Orange, and our boy Dino. We love Dino Babers here yes. on the Hammered Sports Podcast. Yeah, we, we like to listen to him before we do stuff to get ourselves amped. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can really get yourself pumped up, you know. I mean, somebody told them that they were going to come in here and win by 20 to 23 points. They don't know what's in your heart. <laughs> Tremendous speech. If you've never seen oh, it, look man. it up. Got to get to the YouTube. When they beat Virginia Tech, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, Syracuse returning this year, returning starters this year, and 10 of them on defense, 9 of them on offense. Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Tommy DeVito, you know, certainly had his moments. Um, he ended up missing some time again. He hasn't been able to really stay healthy. But uh, 48 of 96, you know, 50% completion percentage isn't exactly ideal. He's uh, in a competition right now. I just saw um, they brought in Mississippi State transfer Garrett Schrader. Oh, yeah. And I know they've been kind of back and forth. They like that Schrader's more of a dual threat guy. He is. With some of their issues on offense, you know, th that can cover up a lot of a lot of problems. Right. Eric Dungy was awesome with that whole. Yeah, uh, it, yeah he was. What a gritty, like, yeah, that lovable. dude would take off and run yeah. and, like, try to run over linebackers and yeah. stuff, give yeah. himself concussions he way was awesome, too often. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, Syracuse 1-10 last year said, let's have an easy schedule. So their first, you know, what, four games are not the scariest of schedule. You got at Ohio, Rutgers, Albany, and Liberty. Yeah, uh, so Liberty's good with Malik Liberty Willis. Liberty is good, but 
not the hardest of schedules. And to at start Florida them. State's not the worst either. You know, obviously they've had some some difficulties yeah. in them in and of themselves. And you get Wake and Clemson at home back to back after that. They will struggle against ACC teams again, I would imagine. The problem is that the biggest problem for me as I look at this schedule is I don't see many chances for me to go to a game here. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to find what game I can go to. They play too many road games at the end of the season. Yeah, rough. Maybe uh, October 30th, I could make it to the BC game. Sounds sounds like a good time to go and watch BC against Syracuse. It'd be a yeah. the dome's fun. Yeah, it's a great place to watch a game. I gotta find a way to get there for a game this year. That last last game of the season against Pitt might be fun. I don't want to go Thanksgiving weekend to oh, man, Syracuse. Is Thanksgiving weekend, isn't it? Yeah. I pull, I pull that back. <laughs> yeah, so last year their lone win against Georgia Tech. But, <laughs> you know, they played Boston College tough in, um, last year, uh, lost 16-13. to 13. I'm convincing myself more and more that I should go on October 30th to that game in Syracuse. Um, but some of the losses were pretty ugly. Um, I like that they played NC State tough late in the season. I like that they played Boston College tough. But they lost by... 25 to North Carolina, 11 to Pitt, 10 to Duke, which is really bad. Duke yeah. was not good. It was not pretty. Lost by 17 to Liberty, 16 to Clemson, 24 to Wake Forest, uh, 30 to nothing against yeah, Louisville. Got blanked by Louisville. And then Notre Dame beat them by 24, and they really could have probably named their score if they wanted to. Um, so, you know, I think that this season they're going to be in a little better shape because the schedule's not as hard early on. Yeah. I think I think we'll get a couple of wins early in the year here with Syracuse, uh, which will you know build some confidence. And I'd actually like to see Garrett Schrader get an opportunity. That yeah, I was gonna say it'll be very interesting if they get a few wins and it's with Schrader and they can kind of give him the keys and see how it works out. Because Devito, he doesn't do anything for me. Um, yeah, I think we've seen that play out. So right, all right. Let's go to the Coastal Division. Oh yeah, and talk about uh, probably the favorites in the Coastal Division, North Carolina. Oh, for sure. So, Sam Howell, uh, probably the number one quarterback in the draft this year, right? I mean, yes. by all accounts, as of right now, he would be projected as the number one quarterback in this upcoming draft. And this is a uh, chance for a Heisman bet on this young man. Uh, if he has a good season, this team's good. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got to be up there, you know, as one of the better odds yeah. on, on the board. So, um, 2020 results eight and four they get off to a three and oh start um you know and then they they lay an egg against florida state then they beat nc state then they lose by to virginia by three um get a win at duke um beat wake forest in an absolute crazy shootout yeah um then lose to notre dame by 14 beat western carolina beat the pants off miami 62 to 26 and then lose to Texas A&M in the Orange Bowl. So, it, by all accounts, a successful season. But are they – I mean, they're number nine in the nation in points scored on offense, um, number one in total offense in the ACC, number five in the nation. Uh, defensively, they've got to iron out some issues. And they should be able to do that. They have ten starters coming back on defense, um, returning a lot. Of, I mean, they're losing uh, – was it Chaz Surratt? And then yeah. Everyone else is back. So right. you definitely have a chance to grow on that side of the ball. And if that side of the ball can just be middle of the pack to, yeah. to top you know, 40, 
you're, you're talking about an offense that's going to score a lot of points. Right. They did lose their, their top pass catchers in De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsome, their top running backs in Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So there's question marks that, that need answering there uh, regarding, you know, who's going to catch the ball, who's going to run the ball. Yeah. Um, and, again, this is a team. All five starters are back, and I was just looking. 111 career starts um, by them, and including two all-ACC blockers from last year coming back. This is an offensive line that is a powerhouse. Yeah. And one of the big reasons for their offensive success last season, they're running it right back with those guys. Absolutely. All right. Let's head down to Miami. Uh, right now? or That would be awfully nice, wouldn't it? I plan, I'd prefer to wait a few weeks, though. Uh, <laughs> wait for hurricane season? I'm not sure what you mean. Right. De'Eric King and the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, you know, this is a team that last season, uh, you take a look at their record and you know, things went pretty well. You know, they, they, they win uh, three games to start the season, lose to Clemson, should be expected, right? Yeah. Um, then they reel off another streak of wins, and then they lose to North Carolina in an embarrassing fashion. Yeah. And then they lose the Cheez-It Bowl oh. to Oklahoma State in a really fun game. Really good game. So they were beating teams up, too. They, you know, they beat up UAB, beat up Louisville. Embarrass Florida State. Embarrass Florida State. You know, beat Pittsburgh by double digits. Virginia played them tough. NC State played them tough. Virginia Tech played them tough. Ran Duke out of the building. Which they should. Yeah. And then the last two games of the season, they, they come up short. A lot of talent from that team last year was drafted in this NFL, but there's still plenty in town, right? You know, you had you had all those guys, the pass rushers, Jalen Phillips and Gregory Russo. Russo was sitting out anyways last year. Um and then you lose um, – who else did they have that came off the board? I'm trying to remember. Quincy Roche. Yeah, Quincy Roche and uh, Brevin Jordan, the tight end. Yeah. And, of course, the ever-important Jose Borgales, who was uh, an incredible field goal kicker for them, won the Lou Groza Award. So, you know, factor in maybe a quarter of a point loss for having to change kickers here, right? College, it might be a half. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, this is a team that's going to bring back a lot of the offensive firepower. Well, their their top five, six wide receivers are back. Their top three running backs, D.R. King's back. Their offensive line, um, another team, 190 career starts with their offensive linemen coming back. So uh, the, the defense will be a bigger question if they're going to be up to snuff losing um, two really good pass rushers. Um, but their, their schedule. Yeah, you kick off the season. In Atlanta against Alabama. Let's so. see something. Right. And then you play gonna, App State. That's, I mean, they're never a joke. Listen, if you're going to play Alabama, this first game of this season is the way to do it. As many guys as they lost to the draft, including <laughs> including the quarterback and uh, multiple wide receivers. I mean, play them first and let's see what they got. Right. Game one. Uh, then you've got Michigan State, Central Connecticut. Um, so, you know, they soften up a little bit here after playing Alabama, but it's still not the easiest non-conference schedule. And, yeah, uh, Michigan State's tough. Right. And, and you get uh, Virginia uh, at North Carolina. That's not easy. Playing at Pitt historically is difficult for Miami for whatever <laughs> reason. And uh, at Florida State, at Duke are your road games. So, I mean, this is a team that, in my mind, they can win – nine games you know yeah, absolutely this is a nine win team yeah, there's yeah. enough talent here for ten it. if they figure out a way to beat alabama in the first week 
which would be pretty impressive. Oh, I mean, I can't even imagine listening to that for the next few weeks after they, they pull that off. Right. All right, moving on to Virginia Tech. Um, the Hokies, and everybody thought, they were, they, were, they were pretty sure that their head coach was going to be gone at the end of last season, right? It sounded like Fuente was going to be finished. 38-26 and 26 in over five years with this program is not good enough no. uh, in Blacksburg, right? That, that program has a higher expectation than that. Um, but instead, they, they let go of the coordinators. They made some adjustments there and uh, kept Fuente around. And maybe they just saw something, you know, maybe they felt like there was going to be – the thing is when you – I don't know what it is that they saw when they lost four of their last five, you know, including back-to-back losses at Pitt by 33 points and uh, Clemson at home by 35. Like, what what was the savior for him beating Virginia? Like, who cares? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you put on the fact that um, COVID happened. And a lot of the, I mean, every team had to deal with it, so it's no excuse. Uh, but some teams it seemed to affect more. I think if you're on the fence, you, you kind of punt it till next year and see what happens. Yeah. I think that's what you had here. I think you just, uh, you know, it's a tough spot to, to switch coaches anyway. Yeah. So. so, you know, they're returning six offensive starters, eight on defense. Um, but they have some uh, some guys that they think are going to step in and, and kind of take over for some of the existing starters, like Dorian Strong, the freshman corner um alan tisdale is a sophomore inside linebacker they think might take the job from dax hollyfield um you know defensively they stunk let's let's just you know call it how it is defensively last year they were 13th against the pass in the acc 10th in scoring defense 10th against the run and 12th in total yardage you know this is a team that was bottom third in the nation in a bunch of categories defensively, and that stuff's got to get fixed. Yeah, I mean, they let up 35 or more five separate times. I mean, that's how you get to six losses. Yeah. You know, and on the other side of the ball, they they were the leading rushing team in in the ACC. Which is Uh, amazing with North Carolina there. Right. And, uh, you know, let's see if they they continue that trend. You know, you got to figure that's what they'll look to do. That's who the the identity that they want to have. But, yeah, I'm just not... Not necessarily sold on Virginia Tech as taking a big step forward here, um, and I think it's almost time for a change there. If if they don't have a, a big season this year, I think Fuente is uh, he's really like one of the biggest hot seats there is right now. And now let's talk about Pitt, the Panthers. Oh yeah, talk about physical football, right? That's seriously. It's what they do, you can, know. And can he Pat, pick it back for his twentieth season? Pat Narduzzi is is creating an identity there in that program, and uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, Cam Bright, all returning, you know, big name players. They lost a couple of DNs, you know, and Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, that were really good players. So let's see, kind of how that affects the defense. But they they've always seemed to find a way to be a pretty gritty defensive team. Um, you know, last year. Number one against the run in uh, in the ACC. Uh, number two total yardage defense. Uh, they did give up 246 yards passing per game. Not the end of the world, but the number three scoring defense. They were number three in the nation against the run last year. So incredibly good against the run, and, and that's kind of been their MO. And then, you know, offensively, they need to get something more going uh, because it just – they rolled up the points and yards against Austin P. 
And then after that, there just wasn't a whole lot there. They had, let's, let's talk about their point totals. 21, 23, 29, 30, 19, 3. Then they scored 41 against Florida State and 47 against Virginia Tech. Then 17 against Clemson and 34 against Georgia Tech. So, you know, they just had a stretch there where it was really, really dull. Yeah, and that Florida State game plus four in the turnover differential. Yeah. So that can, you know, certainly lead to some artificial yeah. artificial numbers there. Um, they do have Elliot Donald, a defensive tackle, coming in, and I I don't know for sure if that is uh, Aaron Donald's <laughs> kin, but I think it could be going to Pitt. Um, I don't, you never know what you're going to get there, but that could be pretty exciting, right? Yeah. And how's their schedule look this year, Tom? It looks like it's not too bad. I mean, they you met at Tennessee, yeah, Western Michigan, New Hampshire. So again, three out of the four games seem like one, you know, very winnable games for them. Tennessee, also winnable. We'll get yeah, we'll get to. Right, um, and then they start their ACC. Uh, they have Clemson at home and North Carolina at home. So if you're gonna, you gotta play them. Oh, and Miami at home. So their, yeah. their three toughest games are gonna be at home. So. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. Their their road schedule is not difficult at all. No, toughest road game is at Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, and but that's it. Duke at Syracuse. Come on, everybody that's good that they play is is at home this year. So yep, big advantage there. All right, who do you want to talk about next? Virginia. Sure. All right, Bronco Mendenhall. Um, you know, and and his program, he's uh, thirty and thirty two over five years there. Um. Quarterback Brennan Armstrong uh, returns and the lefty. Yeah, he had uh, 2,100 yards and 18 touchdowns, and he led Virginia in rushing too. So uh, certainly should be a uh, exciting year for them on that in that aspect. You know, to return that guy. They had a nice finish to the season, four straight wins um, leading up to the Virginia Tech loss. So if they'd been able to finish that, boy, they would really be riding high coming into this year. Um, with their only losses being at Clemson, uh, home to NC State, at Wake Forest, at Miami. You know, those the, that's that's a tough stretch that they had yeah, right there. So, you know, they, they it's not a bad year at all for Bronco Mendenhall, his team. And uh, their defense struggled against the pass badly, though. They're number 123 in the nation against the pass. So hopefully they can get some of those issues addressed. Um, they returned three out of their four players from the secondary and um, seven overall defensive players, seven on offense as well. Uh, what do you see out of Virginia this year that stands out? Anything? Uh, their schedule's hard. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that it's very noticeable. At North Carolina, at Miami, uh, Bronco Mendenhall gets to go at BYU. Yeah. Should be fun. They have Notre Dame at home, but this, you know, yeah. it's a, not an easy schedule um, for them this season. They do avoid Clemson this year. That's always a bonus. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> bonus. Um you know, it's tough, right? You, you play William and Mary week one, then you play Illinois. That you, you got to feel like Virginia's going to be favored in those two games, you yep. know, considerably. And then uh, at North Carolina, so that's going to be a, a that, huge test. That four-game stretch is rough right after that. At North Carolina, then you have Wake Forest at home, at Miami, and then at Louisville. Like That's really tough. You know, you go 0-4 in there, all that sets a bad tone for the rest yeah, of the year. Yeah, you could be 2-4 and four going into the Duke and Georgia Tech games, so... Yeah. Uh, could be could be a tough stretch there. All right, next. Now Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, the Ramblin' Wreck. Changing their uh, philosophy here, Jeff Collins, 
Um, in his third season, you know, they've been trying to move away from that option. Um, and I actually watched some of their uh, spring game, Tom. Really? Yeah, I sat down and was, was watching their spring game. And uh, what stands out is Jeff Sims is going to be pretty good. And uh, they have a load of tight ends uh, that were catching a lot of passes. So um, this Dylan Devaney and uh, there was – I don't think it was – it wasn't Dylan Leonard that I see on the depth chart here, but they had – like three or four guys that were making good catches as tight ends for this group. And uh, Sims looked like he was confident in the pocket. He has the ability to take off and run, uh, but you could see that he was developing more confidence in the pocket, and I expect him to have a really nice year. Um, 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, 13 picks last year, um, but I think this is a, a group that's going to be better up front, and uh, Jeff Sims is going to continue to develop, and he's got, uh, he has the potential to, have, to be a really good quarterback. Yeah, this should be an interesting team. They return a lot of starters on defense, still working in on new pieces on the offense, uh, which they need to. Um, so right. it'll be interesting to see how that works out. If that defense can hold up, um, it'll be great. But uh, according to Mr. Steele here, Georgia Tech has the third toughest schedule in college football. That's not great. Not great, especially when you consider their first two games are Northern Illinois and Kennesaw State. Then after that, things go... Uh Legal sideways. Yeah, yes. they play at Notre Dame, at Miami, at Clemson, uh, at Clemson, at Virginia, though, and then they play Georgia, of course, the last week of the season. So, yeah, that's <laughs> tough. This is a team who could be a lot better and maybe only get to five wins. Absolutely, and, and still have much improvement. Yeah. All right, uh, Tom and I are going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back to you. Uh, we'll talk about the NFC West right after this. Welcome back, and uh, we are ready to talk about the NFC West, right, Tom? Absolutely. Kick it off with the Arizona Cardinals. Sure. And a uh, team that's had uh, a little bit of turnover here, right? Chase Edmonds and James Conner are now going to man the backfield. Uh, Edmonds has gotten plenty of run over the, the last several years, though. So. Yeah, and and Conner's interesting when he's healthy. Right. He's pretty good. He's just not healthy. You uh, replace... Larry Fitzgerald with A.J. Green. And uh, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, Andy Isabella, and Christian Kirk in that wide receiver group. That's a good wide receiver room right there. Yeah. Uh, offensive line up front, they, they bring in Rodney Hudson. Uh, big upgrade at center. Uh, Justin Pugh, D.J. Humphreys on the left side. Brian Winters and Kelvin Beecham on the right side. I got to see Brian Winters up close and personal last year. Not impressive. Kelvin Beecham, uh, unrestricted free agent from the Jets as well, not exactly uh, top tier. So that would be my concern is the, the right side of that offensive line uh, if I had any major worries there. So Kyler Murray, um, you know, fun, lots of talent. He can do a lot of things, man. He's, he's elusive. He's got a strong arm. He makes plays under pressure. So um, a lot of fun there. On the defensive side of the ball, you get uh, you add J.J. Watt, of course. Still have Chandler Jones, but there's some you know question marks about how long that's going to last. Um, Isaiah Simmons, I think, is ready to take a big step forward. And the addition of Zayvon Collins, man, I love that. Their linebackers are nasty now. Yeah, Marcus Golden. Um, in the secondary, you've got Byron Murphy as your nickel bag, Robert Alford, and Malcolm Butler manning the corners. Um Charles Washington and Buda Baker as the safeties. So um, some questions in the secondary remain. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the the secondary has been a problem for them for a while, and I'm not sure it's gotten much better. Um, losing Patrick Peterson, who's been good for them for a while, 
Um, you know, he seemed like he was a little bit at the end of his career at this point, but man, still some definitely can make some plays against the secondary if you can keep your quarterback upright. No question. All right, uh, let's go to San Francisco. And uh, the 49ers, they they get a healthy Brandon Ayuk, healthy Debo Samuel to start the season. Uh, they've also to got start the season. right. They've also got Richie James, Muhammad Sanu, uh, and Jalen Hurd is a name to watch. Uh, they're big fans of that kid, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy so far. Uh, but he's having a really strong camp uh, by all accounts, so that could yeah. be. Yeah, sorry, I just want to jump in. Like this wide receiver group isn't necessarily the flashiest, but all these guys can do things after the catch. That, that's what makes this team so dangerous on offense. Yeah, absolutely. And and their run game, the fact that they, they generally have a, a very strong run game, Yeah, uh, that's a staple of Kyle Shanahan. And, uh, you know, question marks around Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he going to continue to be the, the starting quarterback there? Trey Lance just had a real flashy play in, in practice the other day with the ones. Yes, that was the other thing. He's been getting some run with the ones already. Yeah. Uh, I love their offensive line. Uh, Trent Williams at left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, Alex Mack at center. Uh, Daniel Brunskill at right guard is the only question I have. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, you know, they, they've been a little disappointed in some of his performance, but he still has the potential to step forward here. Um, so uh, overall, I, I kind of like what they've got. Kyle Juszczyk is a, is a constant threat as a, as a fullback, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he adds a lot of value there. And then the running back room, has uh, Wayne Gallman, um, who will back up uh, Raheem Mostert. And then they drafted Trey Sermon, who you know I was a big fan of in college. So uh, also drafted Elijah Mitchell a little later from Louisiana. So uh, a lot of nice pieces there on the offensive side of the ball. And to me, Tom, honestly, this team becomes so much more dangerous when you have the run threat with Trey Lance if he, if he ever takes over at quarterback, if Garoppolo struggles or gets yeah. injured. you know, I know there's a learning curve for rookie quarterbacks, but uh, – boy, that, that could be a scary team to deal with if you have a, a, a dynamic threat like Trey Lance and yeah, the, under the, center. The scary thing with the offense is a lot of those guys need the ball fast, and yeah. I, I'm, I think that lends it to Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit better. He's he's a quick passer. He's not have the strongest arm, but he's accurate and gets rid of the ball quick. Um, Trey Lance, I think that'll be a, a, a something different for him. So it'll be interesting if he gets it, if they stick with that, or if they try a little. Right, and and of course we didn't we didn't even mention the top one of the top two tight ends in the NFL and George Kittle. Yeah, uh, the guy is an absolute monster. He he so can good. do everything. He can block. He can catch. He's uh, explosive when he gets the ball in his hands. This is a, a do it all tight end that uh, you know he he means everything to that offense. You know he he can uh, he can really change. The game plan of, a, of an opposing team when he's on the field so um, the defensive side of the ball I like a lot of what they have you know you've got Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa uh, rushing the passer Fred Warner uh, just signed a contract extension he's a he's a great middle linebacker uh, the secondary is where the question marks really start to come in right yeah um, Jason Verrett re-signed um, or signed in the offseason and then you've got uh Kawan Williams, B.W. Webb, um, Diamador Lenore was a rookie that they drafted. Um, you know, I just I don't feel good about their corners, right? And right. Dante Johnson is is uh, slated in as the starting uh, right corner right now. Tom, Ambry Thomas uh, was selected in the third round. Uh, the safeties you've got uh, Marcel Harris and Jimmy Ward. 
Um, Tavon Wilson also was added to this group. So, you know, the secondary is what it all comes down to, to me. And can they get enough pressure to take some pressure off of that secondary? Um, they certainly can if Boza and Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead can do their thing. Yes. Um, I like their front seven a lot better than their back four. Uh, what are you overall impression, Tom? Yeah, I think this is a team that in another division might be really scary. Um, but they're in a tough division this year. Uh, it's been tough for the last few years, and it's it's just when you look at the total package, I don't know how they can compete with some of the top teams in this division. Uh, they're going to try to slow it down. They're going to run the ball. They're going to do some play action. They're going to try to use that front seven to create havoc. I just don't know if they can hang with uh, the next two. I don't know if the though. offense can keep up with yeah. what the secondary is going to allow in this division. So yes. uh, let's move to Seattle. Um, Russell Wilson uh, continues his career there after some talk of maybe him being available in the offseason. And what's the question mark every year with the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks? The O-line. The O-line. You know, they've got Brandon Shell, uh, Gabe Jackson, Ethan Posick, uh, Damian Lewis, who was a nice draft pick a couple years ago out of LSU, and Dwayne Brown uh, at the left tackle position. So can they be better up front? That, that's a big question mark. They run the ball more than anyone in the NFL by uh, percentage. So they've got Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. That running back room remains the same. Very good. Yeah, very solid. And, uh, you know, you've got a lot of weapons now, and you know how big of a fan I was of Dwayne Eskridge coming out of college. Yeah, uh, this is a guy that's explosive, exciting. He's going to add to the return game, and uh, he's a great team guy. So adding him to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and uh, you've got a really, really good receiver room there. Their top three can can run with a lot of top threes in the NFL if Eskridge hits. And then their defense is a mixed bag. You have some some stalwarts who've been there for a while, and a lot of newer faces kind of yeah. shuffling in and out trying to find the right combo. Yeah, there's a lot of names that you really don't recognize that well. Um, ben Burke, Hervin at right outside linebacker. Jordan Brooks is expected to take a big leap forward. That a lot of big fans of his, yeah. uh, thinking that he could be he could be really something. So um, that'll be exciting. With, along with Bobby Wagner uh, in that linebacker group. Um, up front, Kerry Hyder, Puna Ford, and Al Woods are slated as the starters. I mean, that that's nothing that that blows you away there at all no. and then in the secondary you've got trey flowers um akello witherspoon they drafted trey brown um quandre diggs is in that room as a safety jamal adams of course is the is the glue of that that room he spends more time in the box than than out of it these days uh so you know some exciting pieces on that defense in jordan brooks bobby wagner and jamal adams and then you've got a lot of uh, kind of also rans in there, you know, and, yeah. and nothing that really blows you away. No, this is a team that used to be all defense and hope you can score 20 on offense. Now it's the other way around. The offense is scary. You can put up some points. And how, how well can their defense hold up is going to be the big question. Right. All right. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Sean McVay uh, returns. As the head coach there, Matthew Stafford takes over the helm at quarterback. And, uh, of course, they suffered the the big loss of Cam Akers here yeah. in the offseason. So uh, that's going to hurt. Uh, they've been pretty good up front. You know, that Havenstein, Austin Corbett, uh, Brian Allen, David Edwards, and Andrew Whitworth. Um, they've been pretty good up front. So 
Um, I don't have a lot of question marks there, and I like their receiver room in Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson. Uh, he's ready to break out, if you ask me. Um, Robert Woods, and uh, they added Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Uh, and drafted uh, Ben Skaronic. Um, kind of a big, slow receiver. I don't know, you know, kind of <laughs> where that fits, what they do. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, the running back room, um, Daryl Henderson's going to get the opportunity to take over full-time because there's, not a, there's not, not a lot else in that room right now. I think these guys are uh, going to be scouring to see if any running backs come available as yeah. preseason moves on here. And uh, where are they great? It's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Ashawn Robinson, um, Sebastian Joseph Day has done a nice job at the nose. Aaron Donald, of course, is the best defensive player in football right now. Yeah. Um, you got uh, a, a Caronico, uh, the Will linebacker. Excuse me, Tom. I'm going to sneeze. No problem. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. Uh, Leonard Floyd had a resurgence uh, when he got to Los Angeles. Um, you know, after spending his first few years in Chicago. So um, that's been pretty good. And then, of course, they've got Jalen Ramsey uh, out at the corner, who a lot of people view as one of the best corners in the league. And Darius Williams is, is uh, starting to step up in, in that area as well. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a lot um, on that defensive side of the ball to be excited about. And I think the addition of Matthew Stafford is what people are most excited about in, in Los Angeles. And uh, I think this is the hardest division of all of them to choose an outright winner uh, comfortably. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely difficult because there's so many positives for all four teams and so many question marks for all four teams. Right. None of them are a complete package where you can pull, um, you can look at it and say, yeah, this is the team that's going to be the best. Um, but you can get to the spot in your head where any of them can win this division. And that makes it fun, but also makes it, you know, tough for the gambling perspective. Yeah, you know, every week I think that situational stuff can change the outcome of any of these games, you know. Uh, somebody has a short week, somebody has a little extra time to prepare, somebody comes off a big game and then has another one to follow it up. So there, there are a lot of factors that can certainly impact the outcome of these games because it feels like these teams are so close. Um, I just don't see, you know, big separation between any of these players or any of these teams. Right. Um, all right, Tom. Time to move to a little UFC talk. Yeah, let's do some UFC. Uh, big card this weekend with uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis taking on Cyril Gaon. Uh, Derek Lewis is plus 250 in the main event. We'll get there in a few minutes. Um, very interesting to see that that betting line. But uh, you've got some really good fights on the card. Starting early, um, Anderson Dos Santos and Miles John. Uh, Bobby Green and Rafael Fiziev. Uh, Odie Osborne and Manel Kopp. Uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz against Jessica Penne. Uh, Ed Herman fights are always fun, and he's fighting the explosive Alonzo Menafield. Uh, Love that fight. Yeah. Tisha Torres and Angela Hill. Uh, Victoria Leonardo and Melissa Gatto. Uh, Jamie Simmons against Johnny Munoz Jr. Vince Morales against Draco Rodriguez. Uh, Michael Chiesa against Vicente Luque. Now that's an interesting one. You know, you've got yeah. Luque, who's a great fight, a great striker, against Chiesa, who who grinds people into the dirt with his wrestling, and uh, you know finds ways to get finishes oftentimes. So, um, and then you've got Yudong Song against Casey Kenny, uh, Pedro Munoz against Jose Aldo, and then the main event. Uh, so a lot of fights that are going to be really fun to watch this weekend. Yeah, and you were mentioning the line for the championship fight here. Yeah. 
Uh, Cyril Gans minus three fifty. Derek Lewis is plus two fifty. Um, I think Gan is the better all around fighter. I think so too. But Derek Lewis is never out of a fight. We've seen it multiple times where uh, he looks gassed almost or out of it. Maybe he's got beat up for a couple rounds, hasn't really been effective, but he has enough power in either hand to end it. Yeah. And we've, we've seen him do it where he's gassed and just is able to do it. You know, can Gon play the defensive game and stretch this fight out and uh, avoid uh, avoid taking the big shot from Derek Lewis? So For five, five rounds, it's a tough ask. Yeah. I mean... Derek Lewis was so impressive against Curtis Blades in his ability to stop the takedown. People haven't really been able to do that too much against him. Um, and then, you know, one time, Lewis was ready for it. You know, he's waiting for him. He's, he's, he's you know, come on, try to take me down so I can hit you with this uppercut. And that's exactly what happened. And he drilled him and put him to sleep. And uh, Cyril Gahn, you know, he's he's got kind of a funky style. He kicks. He uh, He's a very talented all-around martial artist the question is you know can he withstand a big shot from lewis if it ever comes um zero guns undefeated so i understand him being favored in the fight but i think plus 250 is a lot to let Derek lewis get away at isn't it yeah i mean if you're betting that you want you want to take a shot at lewis and maybe even uh make it a little more profitable and take a shot by knockout yeah because i think if it goes all five rounds i think Gon's gonna get it yeah um but if you can get Derek lewis by knockout by stoppage you can get a, a hefty little payday there. Aldo's favored uh, slightly against Munoz in this fight, and I think that Aldo, uh, I, I don't think he should be at this point in his career. Yeah. I think um, Pedro Munoz has got a lot more left in the tank, um, so I find it strange to see Aldo favored in the fashion that he is. Um, I, my money's going to be on Pedro Munoz in that fight. I just I just think that he's he's got the skill set to do what he needs to do to, to beat Aldo. Aldo's not the explosive striker that he once was, you know? No. And, uh... What's the Ed Herman Alonzo Menafield? Do you have that? Do you have yeah, a line for that one? Yeah. Um, Menafield is minus 245. Ed Herman's oh. plus 195. All right. Very interesting there, too. Ed Herman's tough. He's um, so tough. But he's had his, his share of losses, and Menafield looks like a guy on the rise at the light heavyweight division, so... Um, another fight that, you know, I find pretty interesting is uh, Manel Kopp against Odie Osborne. You know, a lot of people had really high expectations for Kopp. Odie Osborne is another younger guy that's uh, that's got plenty of talent. So uh, that'll be a fun fight to watch. It'll be earlier on on the card. So um, Kopp is favored. He's a minus 200 favorite. Odie Osborne's plus 160. So uh, another one to keep an eye on. And, and uh, Karolina Kovalevich against Jessica Penne is another good fight. Yeah, absolutely. I think both of them are... Uh, very, very good fighters. And Carolina seems to be getting better. Yeah. The last couple of fights I've seen her have been, you know, oh, yeah, you're a sister of someone who's really great. But yeah. now it's like, okay, I'm starting to see your skill set. Yeah. Um, race to the top. And then the Angela Hill fight. Um, Tisha? Yeah. Angela Hill's fighting Tisha Torres. Yeah. And uh, Angela Solid Hill's fight. favored, uh, or rather, uh, Tisha Torres is favored, minus 140. Uh, Angela Hill's plus 110. Uh, so a really good fight there. Should be yeah. really fun to watch. You know, I Angela think Hill's a great finisher for this weight class. Yeah, and I, I expect to have a hammered sports hot pick on one of these fights come Saturday. So um, you know, be prepared for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna put together something. Um, I, I see a few opportunities here. Uh, it won't be on Derek Lewis because you know, just at heavyweight, you can't 
you can't necessarily see what's going to happen. You know, there's too much unpredictability there. Um, but uh, one of the one of the earlier fights, I think I've got a line on here, so uh, so we'll take a shot on it later this week and find out on our Facebook page, uh, Hammered Sports Podcast, and our Twitter page at Hammered underscore Sports. Uh, that's going to wrap up tonight's episode after we talk about what we're going to go over next week, Tom, and that'll be the Big 12, uh, kind of a, a more abbreviated format next week uh, on the Big 12. We won't go into detail so much on the teams there. Um, and the AFC East, AFC right? AFC East, yes. So uh, should be should be a really good episode. Excited about it. Uh, we're getting close to fantasy football season. Um, pretty soon we would like to try and put together some members for the Fantasy Football League to follow up from last season. And um, looking forward to it. So Absolutely. All right. We'll catch you guys next week.